Today's episode is brought to you by Locker Room because it was recorded on Locker Room. Download the app and follow me at WC Goldberg to join me the next time I go live and get in on the action. Locker Room, changing the way we talk sports. You are Locked On Warriors, your daily Golden State Warriors podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, let's get started. A live locker room edition of Locked On Warriors. I'm Wes Goldberg, a shoot writer for the Mercury News and host of Locked On Warriors. Make sure to follow Locked On Warriors on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Odyssey, wherever you get podcasts or episodes every day, Monday through Friday. Uh, and uh, make sure to follow me if you're not already at WC Goldberg here on Locker Room to get alerts every time uh, I go live here. Uh, talking about this Warriors homestand that wraps up tonight, uh, it's a big, or, or that starts tonight to wrap up the regular season. Six games, the first two against Oklahoma City, then Utah, then Phoenix, uh, then New Orleans, and then Memphis. And I want to talk about the importance of this homestand and then get into some conversation about some potential playoff scenarios and things like that. If you want to join the conversation, just request to speak here on the locker room app and we will get started. Uh, But let's start with tonight's game against the Thunder. The last time the Warriors played the Thunder, they handled their business 147 to 109, beat them in Oklahoma City. Steph Curry had 42 points. Draymond Green went off for 16 assists and 10 rebounds. That should be the case tonight. There is no excuse for the Warriors and not to repeat that. Maybe not win by 30 or 40 points, but they should be able to take care of business pretty easily. And if even better, they can get some... um, rest for Steph and Draymond in that fourth quarter if they can handle their business in the first three quarters that would be even better because this is a team that needs its rest we saw that against New Orleans and that second night of a back-to-back they lose 108 to 103 and in large part because they ran out of steam at the end of that game because it was a back-to-back sure because it was the last game of a four-game road trip okay but really because this team is playing with so few bodies right like this is a team that has just eight rotation players right now available. And tonight, Kelly Oubre is going to be out again. Damian Lee will be out again because he's still in that extended stay in the uh, in the health and safety protocol. And uh, Eric Paschal will be out still with that hip injury. So they're not getting reinforcements in time for tonight. I don't know if those guys will be back by Saturday for the second game against the Thunder. Maybe. But still, the Warriors shouldn't need those guys for this game. Um, they still have two open roster spots. I wrote in a column for the Mercury News, the kind of the biggest questions over this next you know week and a half for this team. And certainly some of it, uh, a big part of it, is how high can they climb in the Western Conference standings and, and what can they do in the play-in tournament. But a big part of it is whether or not they will add a player between now and May 13th. Because they have to add somebody by, by May 13th in order to... Uh, be in accordance with the league's 14-player minimum. Since Gary Payton, since they elected not to re-sign Gary Payton the second, they can go two weeks without signing and filling that 14th player. But May 13th, that's when that, that's when those two weeks expire. So maybe they'll bring back Gary Payton the second at that point. I, I think that they'll probably go in the direction of just promoting Juan Descano Anderson from his two-way contract and making him part of the 15-man roster. Um, but you would think that. This team can use some bodies, especially because of the stretch run. So that's something to watch for. Obviously, it's not happening between now and tonight, uh, tonight's game, but maybe it can happen within this next week or so. I, I, I don't know. Uh, I think that they're actually they're, they're not doing their best by Steph and by Draymond 
in keeping those spots open, but it's very clear that this ownership group, despite claiming that they will spend to win, is only saying that when that they're not completing that sentence. When they say, when Joe Lacob, for example, says they want to spend to win, the rest of that sentence is spend to win championships. They're not that interested in spending to win a play-in tournament or even a first-round series. It doesn't seem like, okay? Getting some extra bodies on this team, having gone out and signed Dwayne Dedman before he signed in Miami or Austin Rivers before he signed in Denver or any of these guys that were buyout candidates before that they before they had signed with whatever team they're on, that would have helped this team. Now, the, the line that we keep getting fed, and I know I'm going off track here, but I think it's important. The line that we kept getting fed is, we're not going to spend money on a, di- on a player who we don't think can be a difference maker. Okay? Well, then I guess you're not signing any free agents because if they were difference makers, they would have already been on teams, I guess, and you're not in the running for LaMarcus Aldridge or Blake Griffin or, or any of those ring chasers this year. So... What, you're just not going to sign for eight? What, you're just going to play with 13 players as long as you can? You're just going to make Steph and Draymond carry the load this way and all these other guys who are so fatigued this way? No, extra bodies can help you win. That's why you have 15 men on the roster. That's why the NBA incorporated the two-way contracts. There is an understanding that just having more players available can help you win, especially down the stretch of a long, condensed, pandemic-stricken season. Like That stuff matters. Uh, so we'll see whether or not they, they do this. And by the way, I keep getting comments and on Twitter and every, every, that Steve Kerr should hold the front office accountable and that Bob Myers is doing a disservice by It's not Bob Myers. It's not Steve Kerr. They would love to sign somebody, okay? They would love to add somebody. Like, you don't think Steve Kerr would love to have more options? You don't think Steve Kerr would love to have Gary Payton coming off the bench? Especially in that night against New Orleans where Lonzo Ball basically won them the game in the fourth quarter. Wouldn't it have been great to have Gary Payton uh, guarding Lonzo Ball, of course. And Steve Kerr knows that. Bob Myers knows that too. This is Joe Lakeup. This is the ownership group wanting to cut costs. It's hard to blame them necessarily because of everything that's happened with the coronavirus pandemic. But you also can't go out there and say, hey, we will spend the money if it means that we're going to win and then not spend the money when it could have helped you win. Right? It's not a guarantee. Right? You're not signing LeBron James as a free agent. Like there is no, You're not guaranteed that player will help you win games. But all you can do is do the best you can to try to win as many games as you can. I think that's been a blind spot by this Warriors ownership group and, and and maybe even this front office because it just feels like it's championship or bust, which I guess if you're a fan, that's kind of cool. Like you want your team gunning for the championship, but the playoffs matter too. And there's a lot that goes... And if you're a 500 team like the Warriors with no chance to win the, play, to, to win the championship then it should be playoffs or bust, right? Like, if you're going to manage your expectations, then manage them, but you should still have high goals. It should be playoffs or bust. And it just feels like this team hasn't approached this season with a playoffs or bust approach. And so that's where I'm at. And and that's where they are at. And that's at 500 with six games to go. Yeah, you're right now in the A spot. Great. Good for you. Uh, you could have been better. You could have been better um, if you had made some different moves at the trade line. You decided not to make any improvements to your team at the trade deadline. That you, instead, you cut costs by paying other teams to take Brad Wanamaker and Marquise Chris. That was your priority at the trade deadline. Cut payroll, not improve the team. The Warriors were the kind of team, a 500 team with playoff aspirations. Those are exactly the teams that make moves at the deadline to improve their team, and they opted to not do that. 
Support for today's episode comes from Headspace. Wouldn't it be great if there were a pocket-sized guide that can help you sleep, focus, act, and be better? There is. And if you have 10 minutes, Headspace can change your life. Headspace is your daily dose of mindfulness in the form of guided meditations in an easy-to-use app. Headspace is one of the only meditation apps advancing the field of mindfulness and meditation through clinically validated research. So whatever the situation, Headspace really can help you make you feel better. Overwhelmed? Headspace has a three-minute SOS meditation for you. Do you need some help falling asleep? Headspace has wind-down sessions that their members swear by. And for parents, Headspace even has morning meditations that you could do with your kids. Headspace's approach to mindfulness can reduce stress, improve sleep, boost focus, and increase your overall sense of well-being. I could talk from experience. I've been using Headspace for, I don't know, three or four years now. And I could tell you it has changed the way that I approach everything in my life, from grocery shopping to work to even the, the most stressful situations. Headspace is backed by 25 published studies on its benefits, 600,000 five-star reviews, and over 60 million downloads. Headspace makes it easy for you to build a life-changing meditation practice with mindfulness that works for you on your schedule, anytime, anywhere. You deserve to feel happier, and Headspace is meditation made simple. Go to headspace.com slash LockedOnNBA. That's headspace.com slash LockedOnNBA for a free one-month trial with access to Headspace's full library of meditations for every situation. This is the best deal offered right now. Head to headspace.com slash LockedOnNBA today. Uh, Ryan, you are here uh, on Locker Room. What do you think, man? What's going on? I mean... It's kind of funny to me. I was thinking about this a while back. Like, if the Warriors decided not to use the TPE, like, they just let it expire, everybody would have killed him for it. They would have killed him for it, but the Warriors might have been better off for not using it or getting a different player because Ubre's been a net negative all year. Like, the, I, I agree with what you're saying. A couple moves here and there, this team could be out to play and they could be in a lot better place than they are right now. Yeah, that's an interesting thing. Right? They were not going to use the TPE if Clay Thompson didn't get hurt. So I think you're you're onto something there. But um, I still think that you're better off. I know there's been a lot made about what Kelly Oubre has, like his on-off numbers on the court. You can, I think we're focusing a little bit too much on that because you could basically take any player on this roster who isn't Steph Curry or Draymond Green and kind of Kevon Looney and find some bad on-off numbers. Now, I'm not saying that, that Kelly Oubre has been a great fit. Just the eye test would tell you that he hasn't been a great fit, and he has no long-term future with, with Golden State. I think that's been clear. But there's still some value, and if you can re-sign him this year, I still think that you should at, like, $15 million or whatever it's going to cost just so that you could trade him later on because otherwise you let that cap slot walk away for nothing, right? If, you, if he walks away as an unrestricted free agent or if you don't use that TPE in the first place, then you're not able to keep that cap slot um, and it just becomes really really difficult to build that bench because one thing that I've noticed during the season I mean it is crazy every every team with a star player is a little bit like this but I have never seen it this extreme with the with, with Steph Curry and the Warriors where you are just counting the seconds until Steph Curry comes back into a game and that's where Kelly Oubre I thought was helpful him and that one-two punch with Jordan Poole off the bench I thought was really good because you're just trying to find any sort of offense when Steph is on the bench and look, it's always been that with LeBron teams. It's always been that with James Harden teams. It's always been like that. But it just seems like this team has so little depth and so little playmaking and, and consistent scoring that it is just an ex- – I, I, I had this thought the other day. I'm like, I, I don't remember a team or a star player or even the play-by-play announcers and the color guy is just like, when does Steph get back in? And you are just tracking his 
minutes for every second in the game. It is wild to me, and it is. It just sort of illustrates how hard it is, uh, how hard it's going to be to sort of build around him, and how much of a priority that that should be. Exactly. Let me ask you this: How much better would the Warriors be if instead of trading the TPE for Ubre, they trade it for his teammate Rubio? <laughs> I don't know if you were reading me last year or listening to me last year, Ryan, but I was. Rubio was my dude. The entire I thought that was the guy that you should go get the TPE with. I thought he was perfect for this team. I don't care that he can't shoot, even though he can against the Warriors, apparently. And uh, the, the playmaking and the defensive versatility and just the basketball IQ he has, I thought that would have been perfect. And I thought that they really missed the boat on not going after Ricky Rubio with that TPE. Now, I don't know that they could have gotten him, but with what you traded for Ubre, you know, a protected first and this TPE, I don't see why they couldn't have. I can't remember exactly what Minnesota traded for him. But, um, yeah, I'll look it up now. But yeah, I thought that would have been a home run and would have filled a huge need for this team. Like you wouldn't have been worrying about who runs your offense. You wouldn't have had to go down the Brad Wanamaker route, right? Like you could have just had that signed Kent Bazemore and made him your starting shooting guard when and if and when Clay Thompson got hurt. And um, to Bob's credit, like the wing rotation has been pretty good for what he was de- like dealt like the cards he was dealt with. Like Wiggins is a good wing, JTA is a good wing, Bazemore's yeah. for all the shit he gets is a good wing. Like, I don't know. I just think a backup point guard is more needed than uh, another wing. Yeah, I go back and forth on the uh, the backup point guard situation. So Minnesota sent, before we continue that, they sent uh, a first-round pick, basically, which ended up being Poku. Alexa Pochacevsky, okay. or however you say it. But, yeah, I think you could have, if you were the Warriors, definitely given a first-round pick and maybe gotten in on the Rubio action. I don't know. But still... Um, no, I think Bob Myers deserves some credit. Look, you can pick apart his draft history and all that stuff. The fact of the matter is he found Draymond Green in the second round. Ultimately, he'll be judged by the James Wiseman pick and this Minnesota pick. And if you can go 50-50 on those picks, then you're a winner, right? Because that's, that's the sort of standard that's been set. I mean, if you think about um, Sam Hinkie in Philadelphia, he drafted Ben Simmons. He drafted Joel Embiid. He also drafted Markel Fultz. Uh, he also drafted Jaleel Okafor, like guys that didn't work out. Um, Nolan's Noel. Nolan's yeah. Noel. Like you got to go 50-50 in these lottery picks, basically. And so whatever happens with this, their own Warriors pick or this Minnesota pick, like, and obviously with the Wiseman thing, it's too early to tell. That's what Bob Myers will ultimately be judged by. I don't care if you miss on Jacob Evans with the 20th pick. I don't care if you let Chris Boucher walk away as as a. Like you can go down up and down any roster in the in, in the NBA and you can kinda of go down the track record of any GM in the NBA and you can find misses like that if you're looking for them. But you do need to hit on on guys. And I thought the Andrew Wigg the D'Angelo Russell thing that led to the Andrew Wiggins thing was fantastic. I mean that was masterclass work and if you tell me that Bob Myers didn't know that he could trade D'Angelo Russell for Andrew Wiggins the moment he signed and traded for Russell, you're crazy. Like he knew that that was going to be an opportunity. And then uh, the JTA thing, you're right. I do wonder, like, okay, why didn't, if you thought this much of him, why didn't you bring him up last year? But then again, you know, he worked on his three-point shot and stuff like that, and he's gotten better. He's certainly better now than he was last season. So the JTA thing, you deserve some credit for that. Eric Paschal is ineffective as he's been. He was at least a guy for you in the second round, so that's a nice find. Jordan Poole looks like to be a nice find. Like, there are, Kent Bazemore was a good signing. Damian Lee seems like a guy who could be on a, on a roster um, there's thing. There's also things like with every other GM, almost every other GM, I should I should say, 
where you say, all right, that was awesome, good job. So, but ultimately he'll be judged by these draft picks and then what he does to fill out the rest of this bench because the Brad Wanamaker thing was a huge miss and really hurt this team. Um, maybe you're right. Maybe Kelly Oubre wasn't the right way to go. I don't know what other options were available. I don't know if Ricky Rubio was an option for this team. It's hard, to, without being in that front office, it's hard to know what was a realistic option. But, um, you know, you kind of have a repeat of this now, right, going into the season because you have a Minnesota pick, which is your main asset. Uh, you have potentially a Kelly Oubre situation where if you re-sign him, he could be a salary that you could, you know, within a few months flip for a better fit um, and all these other things. So, um, yeah. Yeah, I don't know if you saw the the article that came out of Indiana and the turmoil over there. Do you think the Warriors should jump in on that? It'll be interesting to see how that shakes out, right? Because if we we have there, there's definitely some turmoil, but it seems like the players are upset with the coach. And if you fire the coach, do you solve that problem? And are any players trying to shake loose of Indiana? I don't. I, I, that situation doesn't strike me as one where you can go poach a DeMontis Sabonis or a Malcolm Brogdon, for example. Like That, to me, is a situation where they're going to fire the coach and they're going to try to get a player-friendly coach who can appease those players. Now, if I were Bob Myers, I'd be making my phone calls, and when whoever, you, whoever they end up hiring for their new head coach position, maybe these players don't necessarily fit that, vi- that coach's vision, and you can, pounce, you can go get somebody. But I would, I would think that part of the interview process would be Hey, we've got guys that we really like: Malcolm Brogdon, Demontis Sabonis, T.J. Warren, etc. Uh, Karis Levert, who we want you to build around. And part of the interview process would be, "What's your vision for these guys?" So I don't know that what's happening in Indiana could trigger some sort of rebuild. This is a Pacers team that is notoriously averse to rebuilding because they want to stay at the fringe of the playoffs because that's the only way to make money in that market. Um, so I don't know if that's a poachable situation. The one I, there are some other like to me, I'm looking at what's happening in Portland right now. That to me is a situation. Like I don't know if Damian Lillard is gettable, but if you, even if CJ McCollum is gettable, like that would be what I'm looking at. I, the 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 turmoil happening in Portland, just the long string of this being mediocre and not really having a way out of it. I mean, this team signed so spent so much money this offseason, and they're not any better for it. And it's very clear that. Like, you're looking at the names that are rumored to take over for Terry Stotts. Like, what happens with Nick McMillan in Atlanta? And there's some other names that have been thrown around. I, those, If I'm Damian Lillard, I'm not super excited. If I'm CJ McCollum, I'm not super excited about any of these names. You know? Uh, that would be the situation I'm looking at. Because if you can get one of those guys, then everything I'm talking about, about having to monitor Steph's every single second that he's on the bench and just trying to stay above water until he comes back in, that goes away if you get any of those guys, obviously. If you get Damian Lillard, forget about it. But... I don't know if he's ultimately tradable, but even like a CJ McCollum type, all that stuff goes away. Like that becomes your other score. Support for today's show comes from Bet Online. Bet Online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all of your sports action. The NBA is making the playoff push, and the NHL season and Major League Baseball are in full swing. Bet Online even covers awards, TV shows, and reality TV. Real time updated odds and props on almost anything you can imagine. Bet Online has you covered for all the news, scores, and odds. It's the best way to place your bets and it's free to sign up. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit when you use the promo code LOCKEDON. You heard that right. If you head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today, you're going to get a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit, but only when you use that promo code LOCKEDON. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts. 
Support for the show also comes from Rock Auto. With the ever-increasing number of vehicle makes and models, it can be impossible to stock all of the parts you need for your car, especially now while you may not be able to visit a traditional store. So do it easily online at rockauto.com. RockAuto.com is a family business, serving auto parts to customers online for 20 years. Go to RockAuto.com to shop for auto and body parts from hundreds of manufacturers. They have everything from engine control modules and brake parts to tail lamps, motor oil, and even new carpet. Whether it's for your classic or your daily driver, get everything you need in a few easy clicks delivered directly to your door. The RockAuto.com catalog is remarkably easy to navigate. Quickly see all of the parts available for your vehicle and then choose the brand specifications and prices you prefer. Best of all, Prices at rockauto.com are always reliably low and the same for professionals and do-it-yourselfers. Why spend up to twice as much for the same parts? Go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck. And then write locked on in their how did you hear about us box so they know we sent you. Amazing selection. Reliably low prices. All the parts your car will ever need. rockauto.com. Even if Dave was trained before, I, I don't really see the... F- like. I'm not too big on two small guards, especially when one is a massive liability, another one is like a net league average at defense. Like, I get it, Dame's absurd. I love Dame, but I don't really see the fit with Dame or CJ. Oh, I don't care about the fit. I mean, I, that that to me doesn't even matter. I if you can get if you can get either of them, just look at what's happening right now in Brooklyn. I mean, they're just going out and look. We don't we don't really have proof that you can win a championship yet with that team, but they're definitely favorites. Um, and this team would be missing that Kevin Durant type of guy, but you could put two guards out there like James Harden and Kyrie Irving who are defensive liabilities who don't seem like a great fit on paper and just say, you know what, let's just score 120 points. Just go do that. Um, Because you're seeing how hard it is to play defense in today's NBA, and I kind of push back against the notion that teams just aren't, they don't care about defense anymore and they just don't play good defense. It's just so hard to play defense in today's NBA with all the spacing and the ball movement and things that are happening. Um, But... You kind of you can just double down on that in the way that Brooklyn has, and just say, you know what, let's just score 120 points a night, and and we'll 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 defend you to the point where all we have to do is limit you to 110, 115 points a night, and we're still going to win most times than not. If you could trade Andrew Wiggins and James Wiseman and a Minnesota pick for Damian Lillard, the hell with the fit. You could figure that out later. You just you do it, you know. Or even if you could if you could trade that stuff for. For CJ McCollum, I'd say still just go do it uh, and just figure out all the fit stuff later on. Yeah, so um, I've got a trade to propose to you. Let's Thank, do it. Thanks for having me on, anyways. Um, do you think giving up um, a two first round pick and maybe signing signing and trading um, Kelly Oubre for um, Mark, Malcolm Brogdon is a good trade? I wouldn't give up two first round picks for Malcolm Brogdon. Um, I like Malcolm Brogdon a lot as a fit, but that to me is not the kind of value that you want in return for two first-round picks, especially for a team that after those two first-round picks, like the Warriors have no other assets. It's really, really no, tough. I'm not talking yeah. about the, I'm not sorry for cutting you off. I'm not no um, talking about um, this. I'm talking about future first-round pick, not the um, potential um, to Minnesota and the right. Golden States this year. Oh, I see what you mean. Well, if you could trade your 2027 pick, and it, the Warriors are limited to what kind of first-round picks they can trade. I don't have what which ones they are right in front of me, but I know, I know like the next one after this one that they could trade is like 2027 or 2028 or something like that. If anybody else knows, feel free to chime in. Off. But, um, yeah, Brogdon would be a perfect fit. 
I just don't know. Like, and if you could, if you're the Warriors and you could trade two future first round picks, and you know Kelly Oubre and in a sign and trade for Brogdon, yeah, you would do it. I don't, I don't know that Indiana would do it. They love Malcolm Brogdon. Like, why? If you're Indiana, what? Why would you do that? That would be my thing. True, and I also think um, everyone keeps saying we need a um, superstar, but I don't think we actually need a superstar. Like, I'm taking like the Milwaukee approach. Like, just fill a good roster next to Steph, a good competent players next to Steph, and a good deep roster as well, instead of going for like a superstar. What do you think? I think you're right, and I think that the Warriors are built to do that. Because the other thing about going and getting a superstar, it's much easier said than done, right? Like, just go get a superstar. All right, great. Like, whatever. Uh, you need a superstar to be upset with his current situation. That superstar wants to play with you. That's the other thing, too. Like, if Bradley Beal, for some reason, just says, I don't want to be in Washington anymore, that's only half the, the thing. That, then Bradley Beal needs to set, needs to do this whole thing where he leaks a list of preferred destinations through his agent, and Golden State has to be one of those destinations. Like Bradley Beal might say, I want to go to Miami. Goodbye. And then he's there, just like Anthony Davis said. Like The Celtics had every asset in the world to trade for Anthony Davis, but Anthony Davis wanted to be a Laker. And what happened? He ended up being well, a Laker. never trades. <laughs> right. That's also true. But uh, he would have done it for Anthony Davis. Um, I... I and so, yeah, I think that the Warriors are prepared to try to win a championship by not going with the additional superstar route, even though I do think that they have put themselves in position to at least be part of the conversation if a superstar does shake loose. That said, if let's if you take a look at what a roster would look like that does that is absent the additional superstar with Clay Thompson coming back, which would be hugely important, obviously, um, you just need to get you need to we already saw over this last stretch, the formula, right? And you just need to improve the pieces, right? You saw Steph Curry, once James Wiseman and Kelly Oubre were out of the lineup, you saw this team play its best basketball of the season. I'm not blaming Wiseman and Oubre, but I do, I think that they're good players in their own rights and, and have a lot of upside, both of them, but they're just not perfect fits for this team. And when you get guys like Kevon Looney, who's such a great screen setter for Steph Curry and such a great defender and a good one-two punch with Draymond Green on that back line, like that's what you need. Uh, instead of Kelly Oubre, you've got a guy who is a willing ball mover, willing defender, but it, it wants, all he wants to do is space the floor and Kent Bazemore. Um, you put him in that starting shooting guard spot or when he was down, you know, you could put Michael Mulder as a floor spacer. Though, that's a formula. Now just swap out Clay Thompson for Kent Bazemore or Michael Mulder. That is so much better. You could do Kevon Looney, and when he comes off, when he comes off the floor... Clay is better than those guys. <laughs> exactly. I mean, just his reputation alone is going to be so helpful for this team. And um, and if behind Kevon Looney you can add another center who doesn't have to be James Wiseman, but could just be a Zaza Pachulia type. Go get Mason Plumley as a free agent. Go get Marcus Gasol. Like, I don't care. Just get another seven-footer who, who can pass a little bit and play make a little bit, and you've got something. We've seen the formula. You saw it before Kevin Durant. You saw it during Kevin Durant. Uh, you don't have to be the most dominant team ever to win a championship. You could just be a championship caliber team, and I think that there's a way to get there. I think Andrew Wiggins is a good fit, by the way. I think all that stuff is there, but that's that's also going to be tough to do for this team because you're you're kind of faced with this James Wiseman situation, right? You're kind of faced with this what you do what do you do with this Minnesota pick and your own first round pick potentially if you keep it top twenty protected, all these things. Do you really want to keep adding more rookies to this rotation? I just don't think you do. And, and and I and I think if you're the Warriors, this stretch that Steph Curry was on, 
really showed you that, hey, we can go win a championship right now if we just smooth out this roster with a bunch of vets who know what they're doing and can play alongside Steph. And instead of trying to thread this needle because it has been so freaking hard, just stop trying to thread the needle and just go win a championship right now or get as close as you can as possible. And and maybe that includes trading James Wiseman. I don't know that it does necessarily, but maybe it does. Uh, but it, it probably includes trading the Minnesota pick for something, your own first-round pick even for something. I don't know what that something is. I don't. It, it's again much easier said than done. But you gotta at least be looking. And I and I, I don't know if the Warriors are looking. Yeah, and I don't think the West is that deep. Like people say, I just think I don't I don't really respect anyone apart from the Lakers. I don't really see anyone else where. If they get like a few good players, I'm like, I don't. Um, Steph couldn't do nothing against them. I just don't see it in the West as well. I think the only other team in the league I could see making the unbeatable are the um, Nets, and they're on the other side. So I don't, I don't see any other team that requires a superstar to beat apart from the Lakers. And I don't, and I do think. With the, um, LeBron's injury, I think it will be good this year in the playoffs. But I think you can see the decline from next year. I would, I would think about putting the Nuggets in that tier, uh, especially if Michael Porter Jr. ends up taking this leap that he looks to be taking, and you get Jamal Murray back Why next year. No defense. It doesn't matter. I mean that that team overall plays good enough defense, and Nikola Jokic is getting better. Michael Porter Jr. is young; he's only going to get better. Um, and they've put enough good defenders around that trio where um, they can they can get stops when they need it. Um, I, I don't know. Like Brooklyn doesn't play any defense, and that doesn't seem to bother you. So I I understand that they have a ton of star power, but I, I would I think the Nuggets are really really dangerous. But we'll see. Well, I, that's why this playoff this this postseason is gonna be so interesting because you're gonna get Denver and Utah and Phoenix. By the way, we're gonna get a chance to see those three teams. All right, what do you do in the playoffs? Do you get better in the playoffs, or are you like those 60-win Hawks from a few years ago where you are a regular season team and you're not all that much better? Because if Devin, uh, if um, um, Donovan Mitchell can take a leap and if Devin Booker can take a leap in the postseason and become superstar players in a playoff setting, to use Draymond Green's term, if they, be, if they be, can become 16-game type superstars, then... This whole, th- I mean, you've already got Rudy Gobert on the, those teams. Chris Paul, we know, can do stuff. Um, like, that changes everything for those teams. If you can get a superstar ready for the playoffs in the way that Jimmy Butler and Bam Adebayo were last year for Miami, the way that LeBron has been his entire career, I, like, it, it completely changes things for those for those groups. It does. But I'm looking at plays like, I, I don't know, what do you think about um, DeJounte Murray for the Warriors to try and trade for? I think it would be a nice fit. I just I don't know what the deal there is. You know, if you're San Antonio, do you want like if you you would probably ask for the Minnesota pick, and if you're the Warriors, you'd probably say no. That's not worth it. Um, yeah, but I think you you would have to overpay for someone, and I think I think they yeah. um Steph Curry deserve it as well because I think you're I right. I literally cannot watch another season of Curry going off and then bunch of like low IQ players just uh, bumping into him like um, Kelly Uber was doing earlier on this year. I can't do it. No, I, and I think that the Warriors owe it to Steph to push the chips in. And yeah, you're probably right. Maybe you do have to overpay. Uh, I don't know that the Spurs are out on DeJounte Murray enough to be like, 
hey, we would take the eighth pick or the seventh pick for him. Um, but again, like I said before, if you're Bob Myers, those are the phone calls you have to make. If the Vajante, if you can get the Jante Murray, great. If you can get a player of that caliber for something and you do have to overpay, great. I just, I don't get the sense that the Warriors are ready to go in that direction. Now, again, I'm not in that front office. I don't know, but I've talked to enough people in the Warriors where I don't get the sense that they are ready to say, you know what, we're going to quote unquote lose this trade if it means that we could put the right supporting cast around Steph. I I just don't get the sense that they are ready to do that. They really do want to try to thread the needle. They really do want to have their cake and eat it too. Um, and I go back to what Daryl Morey has said time and time again. If you have a 5% chance to win the championship, you have to go all in. And it just doesn't feel to me that the Warriors have gone all in, that they might be looking at Clay Thompson's return as some sort of anecdote for all of this stuff that we're talking about. And I oh, just don't think that that's going to be the case. And the thing is, like, they could have gone all in this year. Like, the, the Lakers are banged up. The Clippers, we don't know anything about the Clippers. Mm-hmm. And then you look at the rest of the Western Conference. If I'm taking Steph and Dre over everyone else in the Western Conference, that's, besides look, the Lakers. It's a great point, Ryan. And, it's, and, and you look again at the Miami Heat's run last year. You can call it a fluke, whatever you want to call it. It doesn't matter. They got to the finals. You can Fluke or not, they were in the finals. And that was a team that at the trade deadline, nobody was picking to go to the finals. And what did they do? They say, you know what? How can we make our team better at the trade deadline? They made the move for Andre Iguodala, Jay Crowder, those guys who really helped them in the bubble and in that playoff run. And that, to me, was the thing missing from Golden State. Not the right message to be sending to your superstar players and Steph and Draymond, who are just, Steph is playing, he's he's scoring 40 points a night, an historic run. And what is this team? It's 500. And it's because they didn't care enough to go all in and I and so maybe maybe you don't have championship potential and this team all along as, as soon as clay went down they said we're not winning the championship this year all right fine if that's going to be your realistic mode of thinking I can't complain about it and I'm never going to say that a, a team should be less honest and and just fake it all the way through but I will say this if you, your goal should absolutely be making the playoffs and making as much noise in the playoffs and going as deep in the playoffs as possible, and you could still do that without Clay Thompson. And so, Ryan, I think you're right. Like they didn't go all in. They decided to cut costs at the trade deadline instead instead of improving the team. Uh, I, I, it, it blows my mind that they didn't that they didn't go more in or prioritize winning in a way that that really mattered because you can go all in for a playoff position. Right, that still exists. It doesn't have to be championship or bust all the time. And um, I don't want to put words in anyone's mouth, but it's kind of like we don't believe in you, to Steph and Dre. You know what I mean? Like we think we have to build in the future. We don't know if we can win it all again with you. I don't know. It leaves a bad taste in my mouth. I, you know, you're right. And like Steph doesn't care. And you try telling Steph and Draymond, hey, you know what? Go play your asses off every single night. We're not winning the championship this year. We're playing like next next year is the priority. It's developing James Wiseman. That's the priority. Like that, the fact that Steph and Draymond have not demanded a trade to me blows my mind. You know, it, it that is exactly what you tell like Aaron. Ro- what it, look at the Packers and Aaron Rodgers right now. I mean, that was that's basically what the Warriors have done the last couple of years around Steph and Draymond was. Hey, we're gonna go draft Jordan Love. Either be and now you have to be happy with it. You know, and it, and it's it's. It blows my mind that the Warriors have been able to do it the way that they have. Now, I think it says a lot about Steph and Draymond, and it says a lot about the front office and the and Steve Kerr and the relationships that they've built and the culture that this team has. But I'll tell you this, that doesn't last forever, and the Warriors have to know that deep down. And, I, and that's why I think this offseason, 
there's going to be a real kind of come to Jesus moment where they have to say, you know what, enough of this playing around, enough of this trying to win in 2030 thing with James Wiseman and this Minnesota pick and stuff. Like, Steph has shown if, if we didn't believe in him at the beginning of the season when we didn't go all in, what he showed you in April is telling them, hey, you better believe in me now because I can win this whole thing. Just give me the supporting cast I need to do it, and I'll take you all the way. And I do think that the Warriors had to have seen that and maybe have shifted their expectations because I can't imagine that they didn't because they, they didn't know that that April thing was coming, and they saw exactly what we all saw. And that was, to me, a nice little beta test for what I think you could do this offseason. And you do have some assets, and you still have some ways to do that, but it would also... It, the other part of that and the biggest part of that would be kind of punting on this, you know, trying to win, trying to be the next San Antonio Spurs. Don't try to be the next San Antonio Spurs. Just try to be the next NBA champion. <laughs> Just start there. Exactly. Do you think Bob Myers is on the clock? Do I think who? Um, Bob Myers. Is he on no. the clock? No. He's not. I can tell you right now. Uh, Joe Lakeup is a lot of things. Uh, one of the things he is is very loyal. Like Bob Myers is, is his seat is not hot whatsoever, um, and neither is Steve Kerr's. Do you think Steph Curry could make the seat up though? He could. I don't think he will. I mean, he has the influence. He has the influence. If he wanted anybody fired, he could. Uh, he won't. He won't do that. Uh, that's you know that's the. That's the only slight negative about um, Steph Curry because if um, LeBron was on this team, Wiseman would have been gone like ten years ago, and it would uh, it would it would not have this. Um, we're trying to thread the needle. You're right. In between winning and losing, I wouldn't that's put the that. Only difference. I wouldn't put that on Bob Myers. I think you're absolutely right. That's the difference between Steph and LeBron. And if Steph does not win another championship for the rest of his career, it'll be because he wasn't more like LeBron and exacting his influence when he can. But um, I wouldn't put that on Bob Myers, and I wouldn't put that on, uh, and I think a lot of, I understand why a lot of people would blame him because he is the general manager, but Joe Lacob's fingerprints are all over this team in a basketball sense. And also, do you think, I, I don't know, because I think, uh, what are the chances, even Fred and Dinley do you trying to be San Antonio? What's the, what are the chances of getting another Steph Curry ever in your franchise history? As close to zero, you, it's as close to zero as you can get, and uh, and that's why you have to go all in when you have a talent like Steph. And there's just no excuse don't not say to. That's the future. Exactly, they should. But Literally, but again, the Lakers, you're never going to get guys good at Steph again. Like, right, it's not happening. It's not happening. But again, you try telling that to Joe Lakeup and this ownership group that invested so heavily in Chase Center and Thrive City or whatever they call it around there, and that team has to be a winning team in order for that purchase and that investment to pay the dividends that they're hoping for. And that, to me, is every bit of drafting James Wiseman and using this Minnesota pick, if that's what they end up doing, is is so much a business decision. And it's more a business decision, I would say, than it is even a basketball decision. And you could say... and. They, we could sit here and say, hey, maybe they just want to be light years ahead and they want to build something long-term and everything. Okay, yeah, they do. Why, though? Because they need that business to thrive. But my other point of this would be, and it's, it's kind of like what we're talking about here, the chances of that player being Steph 
is as close to zero as possible. But that player could be good enough to lead you into the future or whatever. But here's my thing. Once Steph leaves, you you could have another couple down years and draft in the lottery then. Just do it then. Once Steph is done and this run is done, you're going to be bad. And this team is trying to thread the needle of, hey, once Steph is done, we're not going to be bad. Once Steph is sort of done with his prime, we're still going to be a playoff team. What these two years to me have shown is that you could be a bad team, but if you come off of a recent run of success, you could still withstand that. I mean, Forbes just valued the Warriors as a $5.2 billion franchise, and they could be in the lottery two years. And they right, but and they could be a team that was in the lottery two years in a row and still be worth more than five billion dollars. But if you are coming off of a recent run of success, which if you go all in right now, you can have another run of success with Steph at his prime, then you can then afford a couple of bad years. Fans will give you the benefit of the doubt. Then what they won't do is give you the benefit of the doubt. Is if you betray Steph Curry and not do whatever you could to help him win one more championship. That's what fa- fans are too smart, especially in the Bay Area, and, and Warriors fans in general are too smart for that. Uh, and that's why I think, even from a business sense, it would be good to push all the chips in for Steph Curry. And I and, and now I just don't see any way around it. And it will, it will take some eating crow on James Wiseman. And by, I still think Wiseman could be a very, very, very good NBA player. There are no other players in the league with his exact kind of skill set. And there's nothing I I can say even now after an up-and-down rookie season, I can't say that there's anything he won't be able to do in the NBA other than pass at a really high level. Um, but that but that's it. But he could be a really good player. But let him go be a really good player somewhere else. Right? You owe it to him, and you owe it to Steph, and that's fine. Uh I, I I just don't I don't see the way that you could thread the needle here that the way that they I think thought that they could and I think that this season was uh, it, it showed that it made it very apparent that hey this threading the needle thing is really hard and it might not work the way you think it could. I just find it really ironic that the guy that basically built Chase Center for you you don't trust him to go all in. I just don't understand it like. Yeah. It's, so crazy to me like if you want to make money go put banners up there up um up in the I can't, yeah. up in the stands in the rafters that's how you make yeah. money the rafters that's what i was looking for that's how you make money <laughs> that's how you make money and you'll you'll make so much money those years you'll make so much more money those years than you would if you were a first round and out team that it's worth it um i there there's no reason for this team not to go all in i do think that i think that they underestimated how difficult the james wiseman thing was going to be and how difficult it would be to rebuild. I, I really believe that they didn't understand fully how difficult it was going to be. I think I think they understand more fully now how difficult it's going to be. It's not impossible. Is that why they changed plan like 10 times this season as well? Because one minute, we're not chasing wins, and now we're back to chasing wins. And then it feels like they haven't had a cohesive plan throughout the season. They just keep shifting. I think you're seeing the mixed messaging on James Wiseman being kind of the leader in that kind of overall mixed messaging. Uh, and then when Wiseman went down, there was nothing else to do for the season. That's why you, you hear Steph over the last couple of uh, post-game interviews saying things like, uh, we want this season to count for something. Uh, before Wiseman's injury, the season was about Wiseman's development. After Wiseman's injury, the only way to make this season mean anything was to make the playoffs. Because... You didn't develop Wiseman in the way that you had hoped this year. 
and then he got injured. And it, then if you missed the playoffs at the same time, then this season was nothing. I mean, you you got nothing out of this year other than maybe finding out that Juan Descano Anderson was a rotation player for you, and Jordan Poole could be something for you in the future. That's, uh, but other than that, uh, that's why you need to make the playoffs, and that's why you. Then Jordan Poole played thirteen minutes last last um the, the last game, so it's not really developing him either. Yeah, I mean, he was having an off night. I think I don't think Jordan Poole could be your sixth man of the future, but I think he could be like the the next Leandro Barbosa, like the eighth or ninth guy off. And that's that's a valuable player to have. When he's hot, he could change a game for you. But you're not relying on him every single night uh, to do to affect the game in multiple ways. Um, but look, I think going look, looking forward to next year, if what you have is Steph, Clay, Wiggins, Draymond Green. And Kevon Looney starting at center because with Wiseman's injury and, and the length of this rehab and everything, you could now you're you kind of have a get out of fail, jail free card, and you don't have to start Wiseman at the beginning of the year, and you can kind of just go forward with this plan with Kevon Looney at center. Maybe you 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 probably need to add another center to that group. Uh, you bring Kent Bazemore back. You bring Damian Lee back. I think you bring Juan Toscano Anderson back. Absolutely. Jordan Poole comes off the bench. You just need. You need to go find that sixth man. And fortunately, if you're the Warriors, you have a really great asset to use in that Minnesota pick that you can put in the table and say, let's go, let's use this and just go get the bet. Let's let's call every the other 29 teams in the league and say, what's the best player you'll give me for this Minnesota pick? And then you just pick the best player and you figure out how to make the salaries work and all that kind of fun stuff. But you just take that best player who would be a good fit for you, who can defend multiple positions, who can play make at a high level, um, and is young enough that he's in that window, right? Because you don't want to do it for 38 years old, you know, uh, Andre Guadala. You want to get somebody like in their 30s, maybe late 20s, somebody who's capable right now but still in their prime so that you can at least put a little bit of a run together and you can get some long-term value out of that pick and that player. Um, but that to me would be, that, that to me is the way forward, right? And um, you know, I, I it, again, sound, it's so much easier said than it is done, but it, the blueprint is there, right? This last run showed us what the blueprint was. And I don't think a single fan would be mad if we win like one more championship. Saying we just suck for the rest of the decade. No. Instead of being a, pr- a perennial five uh, five seed and getting second round outed every year. You have no to do one it. Would be mad at it. You have to do it because every. As much as Warriors fans love the Warriors and they love Steve Kerr, maybe they love Bob Myers, maybe they love Joe Lacob, for, and they should for everything that Joe Lacob has done. Um, they absolutely should. But they love Steph Curry more than anything, right? And you owe it to him, and you owe it to Klay Thompson coming off of these two huge injuries, robbing him of two years of his prime. He had never been playing better than right before he got hurt. That was the best we had ever seen Clay play in the 2019 playoffs in those finals. Um, you owe it to him. You owe it to Draymond. You owe it to the you owe it to the dudes, right? Just go do it. Like, go chase it. And if if Jonathan Kaminga ends up being awesome in 2030, cool. Good for Jonathan Kaminga. At least we made a championship run for a couple, two or three more years. Like I don't think any Warriors fans can be upset about it. What? Jonathan um, Kaminga being good does is not as much is not as important as Steph being a champion. Exactly. I don't think. Exactly. Um, all right, so just to bring it home, guys, before we, we sign off here, um, I think that's really what you're looking at with this homestand is ma- when you talk – and look, making the playoffs is great for some short-term value and things like that. You've got fans back in the arena. From a business sense, it's all good. 
But the other part of this homestand is making sure you end up in that 7-8 game so that you can have a really good chance of making the playoffs and getting that experience for Andrew Wiggins uh, and, and Jordan Poole and Wanda Scano-Anderson, for those three guys specifically who need that playoff experience. Because if you're trying to trampoline from where you're at now to a championship run, getting those guys some playoff experience is going to be hugely important. And so when you look at how getting that best chance would involve being in that 7-8 game, we need to be, you need to be standing watching on Memphis because the, the Warriors and the, and the Grizzlies are basically tied at 500. Right now the Warriors have the tiebreaker over the Grizzlies, but that's what's going to make that May 16th game so important because that will ultimately determine who gets the tiebreaker if it comes down to it. The Warriors over these next... Memphis, by the way, has a cake schedule going the rest of the way. Like, it is not... I, I think that they're going to end up with 37 or 38 wins, which means that the Warriors need to have at least 37 wins by the time you get to that May 16th uh, regular season finale. So that would include that would involve them winning uh, four, f- four or five games over the... No, four of their next five. Okay, so Oklahoma City, Oklahoma City, Utah, Phoenix, New Orleans. Take care of business against the Thunder twice. That's two. Beat, beat the Pelicans, right? Because you should. That's another one. But you need to beat either Utah or Phoenix, and that's what I'm looking at. You need to beat. You need to win one of those games, and the Utah Phoenix game. That's the second. Phoenix is on the second night of that back to back. That's gonna be tough, but it's at least at home. And the Warriors have shown an ability to get up and go for big games. Like they were able to beat Denver. Um, they were able to beat Philadelphia. Granted, they didn't have Ben Simmons or Tobias Harris. Like they can get up for some of these games. When you have Steph Curry, you're gonna have a chance. Uh, but it's looking more and more like they're going to have to win one of those Utah or Phoenix games. Uh, and that's going to be tough because those are two really, really good teams. Um, all right. Let's end it there, guys. Thanks, Emmanuel. Thanks, Ryan. Thanks, Atlee, for, for jumping on into the conversation and everybody else who was listening here um, on the Locker Room app. Remember to subscribe to new episodes of Locked on Warriors wherever you listen to podcasts. Uh, follow me on Twitter at WC Goldberg. Uh, and you can email me at wgoldberg at bayarianewsgroup.com. Thanks all for listening.